It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign up now. And we got the big guns in the house. It's the return of Mr. Rory DeLarge. Hello there. And it's the return of Miss Melissa Jones. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, good. Both NAPS champions. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Bidding to relive their former glory. They're still in form. Um, so we'll start with the 150 at Ascot as we spin through three meetings for the weekend. Uh, first of all, with uh, Kaluki, you can get 9-4 to four about Does He Know for Kim Bailey and David Bass in the 150 at Ascot. This is the Reynoldstown Novices Chase. Annual Invictus for Chris Gordon and Tom Cannon as threes. Corrick Rambler with first-time tongue ties, 130. Doyen Breed, quite fancy this horse. Sandy Thompson and Ryan Mania, 9-2. Fernhill is eight. All right, ladies go first. Melissa, tell us who wins the 150 at Ascot. 
Well, interesting little opening race here, the, the 150. Um, quite interested in Corak Grambler for Miss Lucinda Russell, um, the team. They've been doing well this season, haven't they? And this horse is a, a fine stamp of a chaser. He's got some really good form to his name as well. Uh, fourth last time out. Obviously wasn't his best run of the season. It was, it was okay. You know, it was, he was well fancied uh, at Warwick, you know, in the classic chase. Uh, but prior to that, Obviously, uh, puts in some very good performances at Cheltenham and Aintree. And he, he is progressive, isn't he? And the, the fact is that he's he's raced uh, recently uh, by comparison to Does He Know, who's obviously had a, quite a bit of a break and has come on, on good ground of late anyway. So, uh, correct rambler, it has to, has to be for me, I think, you know, with the first time tongue tie. He's uh, one of the most reliable in, in the field, considering... Obviously, annual Invictus's last run is a little bit wayward. And, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, hopefully, he will get one on the board in, in the opener. So, fingers crossed. Just a little bit wayward, annual Invictus last time. Just a just a tiny little bit. Um, although maybe he was feeling the effects of New Year's celebrations. Who knows? Um, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Rory, are you in agreement with uh, Melissa or are you looking elsewhere? Uh, I'm. Uh, I don't disagree with anything Melissa has said. There, I'm surprised by the betting here. Does he know? Does not want this ground. Um, his form thus far has come on um, on good and good to firm ground. Um, uh, he was useful novice hurdler last season. He's taken well defences, but his one run on heavy ground last season came at Exeter this time last year in a pretense qualifier. I spoke to Kim Bailey very shortly after that. Actually, and he said it was a mistake to run him. Um, and you know, he thought it'd be a really easy way of there only were uh 10 runners in that race, thought it'd be an easy way of getting him qualified for the attempts if he wanted to go in that direction, but um, uh, it, it backfired. And I, I'm surprised, a bit surprised he's in here to be honest. Um, he's I think he's he's better under different conditions, and um, he doesn't he doesn't appeal to me as a, as a favorite giving giving weight away in this race. Um, annual Invictus again, a second favorite in most lists. Uh, is a big worry. I I like the horse. I've stuck him in my tent to follow. Um, and he started the season off pretty well, um, uh, winning at Cheltenham. Actually broke the course record at Cheltenham uh, on his reappearance, which gives you an idea what the ground was like. That was the same day that uh, third time Lucky won. Um, that's a distance that isn't used very much, the, the two and a half miles on the old course. Uh, most two and a half mile races at Cheltenham are run on the new course. Um, so it's not necessarily the hardest um track record to beat but uh, he then won a match at Plumpton next time out um, and um, was fancy to win at, um, at entry but he couldn't cope with a really heavy ground there now he did have, have heavy ground form um, over hurdles but it was really nasty at entry that day and he struggled in it and then uh, back at Plumpton um, he just looked really moody he, he essentially tailed himself off that day uh, didn't want to have a cut at his fences he jumped, he jumped them perfectly safely um, but he was slow and he didn't really want to engage until he could see that they were they were coming back home, and then he's rattled home um, from the this, the the turn into the straight without ever looking like winning. He ended up finishing on the heels of the leaders. Uh, and you look at the race and think, well, if he'd only got himself going earlier, he'd have won that race, uh, which is probably true. But um, he's he's not um, done anything to suggest that he wants this trip as yet. Uh, his pedigree suggests he should stay it, but. You know, he was a horse who ran very well in the um, in the Betfair hurdle last year over two miles. So, 
Um, whether he whether he's going to stay this trip is up, up for debate, and whether he fancies it now after you know he had a really hard race at entry, uh, and then looked like he was either feeling the effects of that or was just going a bit sour. And the fact that Chris Gordon sticks a, six cheek pieces on him suggests that he's not sure either whether the horse is up for it. So he seems a strange second favourite. Korak Rambler's got, got a solid enough chance. I'm slightly worried about a tongue tie on him um, after uh, last time. He didn't finish as strongly at Sam um, at Warwick as it looked like he would. He's always looked like a thorough stayer. Um, Lucinda Russell has, has spoken about him as a Scottish national horse this year. Mm. Um, so whether he'll be, you know, again, his best form is on good ground, but whether he needs the good ground is is, is probably not the case. Um, I'm not I'm not uh, as against him as I am the the top two. Doyen Breed run better than I expected uh, behind um, uh, three under three five um, last time. I'm not sure that was a great race for the money. It has to be said. Um, but I respect his chances. But I think Fern Hill's a terrific bet here. At t- he's 10 to 1 in a place, or two places even. And that's, that's just the wrong price. Oh, um, yeah. This, this horse should be, <laughs> it should be half of those odds, um, and maybe maybe less than that. Um, lightly raced, um, winner over um, two mile five on heavy ground over hurdles uh, last season uh, before being one of a fair number who. Um, uh, who didn't run a race in the River Dawn. That was a very strange race last season. I think the first the first five or six in the market all pulled up in that race. It's one of the strangest novice hurdles you'll ever see. Put a line through that. He was then put away straight away. And he ran very well in his chase debut to be beaten. Um, a neck at Utoxeter. And then um, he caught a bit of a tartar in the ship of Grumpy Charlie um, at Newbury um, next time. Now, he was due, they were both due to take on Brave Man's Game at Newbury last weekend. Fernhill was taken out because of the ground. His best form is in soft and heavy ground. Um, that's the same with Grumpy Charlie as well, by the way. I don't think Grumpy Charlie was particularly suited by the, um, the uh, ground on, just on the soft side of good at Newbury, but he ran a, a solid enough race. But yeah, Fernhill looks to me like to be a horse who's, who's progressing, who will be suited by Ascot as well. Um, and you know, the softer the ground, the better for him, which you can't say for most of this field, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he also goes from the front, which, uh, as we've seen in previous years, is a big positive in this race. If you say the three miles, which he will, because um, you know it, he saw it out thoroughly um, at Weatherby as a novice, um, and I'd, I'd be disappointed if if he doesn't. I know he, I know he didn't get home at Doncaster, at, at, yeah, Doncaster on the River Dawn, but um, as I said, that was a, that was an odd race in which most of the field uh, didn't see the race out. Uh, but he, yeah, he's um, he's unexposed, and I think he'll um, I think he'll run really well. I, if anything, I thought the danger in the race might actually be the bottom one, Jay Fouad, who's uh, the rank outsider at fourteens. What the hell? I wouldn't back, Rory. He was, he's going he big on the opener, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he, swinging he was, for the um, fences. <laughs> he was last of five finishers behind Corak Rambler at Cheltenham um, on his um, his second start over fences. That was in a handicap, and he was handicapped on his on the form he showed. Um, when uh, a very good second at entry over hurdles last year, when he was um, he was only beaten by hometown boy, um, with um, you know subsequent winners like T Clipper, Ashdown Lad, um, come on Teddy chasing him home, and a very strong handicap hurdle as as um, as it always is. Uh, he needed the experience on Chase debut, um, and then he he ran in that Cheltenham race. Where you know his mark would have been pretty harsh on what he's done had done over fences, but he actually shaped pretty well. Again, he he tends to race prominently. He went from the front that day, didn't set a tremendously strong pace, just got a bit outpaced coming down the hill and plugged on. He was beaten twelve lengths in the end without being knocked about by Max Kendrick. That was on good ground, which is too quick for him. He wants it soft as well, 
Uh, and although you look at this and say, well, uh, he was only fifth of five finishers to Cordak Rambos, he's got no chance with this one here. Bear in mind, he was conceding nine pounds that day on different ground, and he'd be a lot happier um, at this track on, on soft ground. He was a winner at this meeting last year. Um, he won the... Um, uh, he won the, the three-mile handicap hurdle on soft ground at this meeting last year. So Ascot and soft ground suit him really well. And he will show better form than he has done over fences so far in this. Uh, and that makes him a player as well, 14 to 1. Um, you know, those are, there, there are two horses that are far too short in this race and two horses are far too big. And I'd, um, I'd be very happy to, um, uh, to back those two and to take on Does He Know and Annual Invictus. Just uh, so that, you know... A win for Corak Rambler would be a neutral result. Um, a win for the top two would be negative, and a win for either the bottom two would be would be a big positive. I think Fernhill is probably the better bet of the pair if he can get the nine or ten to one. I think he will shorten up. I think you'll still end up getting a big price of, of a Jay Fraud on the day. Um, but Sam, I wouldn't put you off either. Well, this is coming out relatively early Thursday, so get in touch with Kaluki. Um, make sure you've got your account set up with them and see will they give you nines or tens. Give it a go. You never, If you don't ask, you're not going to know. Um, but really going for it, as Melissa said in the opener. Uh, Cork Rambler for Melissa, uh, Doyen Breed for me, and um, Fernhill and Shafoid, uh for Rory with possibly the reverse forecast in there as well. Just go for it. Why not? Uh, Delargy's back. That being said... You're doing this, Rory, because there's a risk that the whole thing gets called off <laughs> with Storm Eunice kicking in. Uh, Pass, you know, what can you do? That's nice. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, they would have all won, uh, but it's such a shame. Um, how worried should we be about Storm Eunice and what effect do you think it's going to have on the going at the various tracks we're talking about? I think the going isn't really the issue. The safety is, is more of an issue. If we're talking mm-hmm. about extremely high winds, um, then that could see meetings abandoned. It could see horses unable to travel. Uh, it could see damage to buildings and temporary structures and stuff like that. I mean, remember we lost a day at the Cheltenham Festival uh, with high winds a few years ago. That's that right. would be the biggest concern rather than, oh, the grind's too soft. Mm, good point. That's me being selfish about racing there, Melissa. Sorry about that. I have to go. <laughs> Actually. Yeah, Rory's right, isn't he? You know, facilities and everything's really important as well as obviously the the forecasts and, and the winds, you know, affecting racing. But um, yeah, got to make it safe for everyone, haven't we? So... Live in hope that um, we'll uh, get to see these fantastic punts come off, but uh, we'll keep working at it for now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll just say that our good friend Lucy Verasami has said that the extremely high winds that are expected are some of the worst for 30 years. So Fakenham went, that's it, we're off. We're, we're off on, on Friday. They've cancelled. We, we all know what happened 35 years ago, don't we? <laughs> Dude, you... Was it thirty-five years ago now? The the, the big um, uh, the big storm that Michael Fish said wasn't happening. Oh, that's right. See now, too young, but and I'm sure Melissa, way too young, not even born. Uh, <laughs> I was just about born. <laughs> just about, only just about though, only just about. Um, yeah, that's it. There's so many jokes there, but we won't go into it, Melissa, because you're a new member of the team. Um, but yeah, Michael Fish was a famous weather forecaster who famously said, Rory, oh, don't worry about this. This isn't going to happen. Well, he said, he, he specifically said, a lady has written in to say she hears there's going to be a hurricane. Well, I can assure you there's no <laughs> hurricane. Uh, whereupon uh, we were hit by something that looked a lot like a hurricane. 
But I'm sure Michael Fish himself would probably say, strictly speaking, not a hurricane. You've got to define your weather correctly. Oh, but yeah, sakes. really, really devastating storms. Um, the worst, the worst this country had seen in, in um, I don't know, it's uh, only fifty years. Jesus. Um, and um, a, it's a, a frightening amount of damage done. Well, it's status red for Cork, so I've gotten out of Cork. I'm in Kilkenny right now. Um, so status red to hit Cork at the weekend, and uh, Waterford is status red as well. So Ireland's getting hit with the brunt of it too, but hey, we're focused on the UK, so uh, we shall move on to the 225 for Fiddler on the Roof is your 2-to-1 favourite with Kaluki, uh, just ahead of Ask Me Early for Harry Fry and Sean Bone, 100-30, Caribbean Boy, 11-2, to and um, Larry! We gotta mention Larry! Because George listens to the show and looks after Larry the whole time, so if we don't mention him, we're in trouble. Um... Melissa, you can start us off again. Uh, limited handicap chase, uh, listed race. What's your thoughts? Well, see, we've got Fedra on the roof at the top of the weights, giving six pounds and upwards to the field. Uh, it was a good run last time uh, in the Ladbrokes Trophy, of course. That was an interesting in race to to uh, watch back. Obviously, the unfortunate fall of Remastered when he was coming strongly into contention. Ooh. So that did change the complexion of the whole race, didn't it? And Fiddler on the roof uh, went clear uh, with the winner, Cloudy Glen, and he, he did stay on with quite a bit of resolution in the finish. You know, I, I did have a bit of doubts about him over the three mile one uh, beforehand, but um, yeah, he did a little wrong really, and uh, you know, it was a solid effort. The handicappers put him up five pounds in the weights. Uh, Brendan Powell is back on board again, and you'd expect a, a decent run from him, wouldn't you? Um, it's not going to be an easy task given up the weight away in this field. But um, you look down the you look down the runners and obviously we've got Regal Encore in there who loves the track and see in the advanced veteran stage now, 14 year old, he's been a grand campaigner for Connections, the Honeyball team and uh, reunites with Richie McLernan. So, you know, he should he should go well again. But um ask me early, he'll be a popular one with punters. He was due to go to the Welsh National and unfortunately had a bit of a mishap at home, didn't he? And uh, and unfortunately missed the missed the race. Um, very much on the upgrade that horse over fences. He's he does look to have sort of a decent handicap in him. Um, how much the setback has affected him, uh, time will tell, and and we'll wait to see. But to me, he he is a, a thorough stayer and a typical sort of Chepstow horse. He's also got good form at the track, and he's beaten hold that hold that tort uh, on a previous occasion there, and that the pair of closely matched again um i expect him to go forward and race prominently under sean bowen um but again like i said he's a he's a thorough thorough galloper this horse this son of ask and i think perhaps that you know there might be one or two lurking in here that uh, a can take him on early and and b possibly possibly uh, beat him at the finish and caribbean boy put in a, a good run last time he's got the cheek pieces on again uh, there was nothing wrong with his finishing effort last time. He, he toughed it out from Smarty World, who arguably isn't the, the sort of toughest campaigner, is he? he he's got plenty of, of places to his name. But I, I thought it was a likeable performance. And I think Caribbean Boy, you know, he's still got... Um, it's still on a workable mark. You know, there's still, still a bit of yardage in that for, for James Bowen. I can see him going well. Uh, like I said, Fiddler on the Roof will should go well, obviously, with his, his class and his back form. Um, but I mean, at, at the bigger prices, um, we're looking for a bit of value here. 
the, the outsider at the, the current prices with some firms is Sojourn, uh, trained by Martin Keithley now. And of course, this horse does have his sort of well-being to prove after a couple of pulled up efforts and his last couple of starts. But switch to the Keithley team, who obviously had haven't enjoyed a really sort of great season, some of their horses. Um, you know, they've had horses for this owner before. Uh, obviously, they, they think that this stable switch might perk him up a little bit. And um, he finished a, a decent second in a race at Haydock, d- December 2020. Um, that was off the same mark, I think, as, as tomorrow's race. So, um, you know, th- th- there's possible, there's potential there, and he's a massive price. I think maybe each way, uh, yeah, he has a potential if he's if he's bringing his A game to the table. Obviously, he's taken on trust, but um, I think he might be able to nick a place at a decent price. Uh, and of course, that as the previously mentioned Caribbean boy and fiddler on the roof, that the two to beat really. Um, as I said, I'd take on Ask Me Early because he looks at more of a, a Chepstow sort of galloping type to me. Um, and yeah, I think he's a shade vulnerable here. I'm intrigued by this. I also like the fact that you're swinging for the fences as well. Uh, Ask Me Early can go to Wincanton and Sojourn can go there as well, but uh, right now. They're both engaged in this race. Uh, Rory, are you swinging for the fences or going for something? Not really, I don't think. I, th- I think Fortescue will run a decent race at a, at a good price. I think he's a little bit overpriced um, and is likely to hit the frame. But, but I think Fiddle on the Roof has got the class to win this. Um, I know it's people say it's a lot of weight to carry, but um, you know those also long memories, remember, when... when um, horses running in big handicaps at Ascot were, were asked to carry 12 stone 5 and 12 stone 7 around um, and 11 stone 10 in a, in a compacted handicap uh, is not um, is not a huge amount of weight to carry these days you've got to remember if, you know if a horse like Bally Optic uh, can win this under 11 stone 10 um, with, with, all, with the greatest respect to Bally Optic then Fiddler in the Roof should be capable of doing it as well uh, I think there are plenty of question marks against against um, a number of the, his rivals in terms of current form uh, well-being or just class, really. I don't. I don't think Caribbean boy fancies it that much. Um, he is. He's got a touch of class about him, but um, his form in big fields is is poor. Um, and although he bounced back to form to win at Kempton last time out, he had plenty to go his way that that day. And I don't really think he's. Um, I don't think he's a great betting medium. Um, in you know, if they all turn up here, obviously we could have a few non-runners, and that might suit uh, Caribbean boy if he's allowed to sort of pick his way through, but. He's um he's not the most robust for me, and, and I don't really fancy him at a short price. Um, Regal Encore is a fourteen year old now. He's won this race before. And he's got a great record at Ascot, but it's asking a hell of a lot of him to be um to be competitive these days. Uh, Sojourn, as um as um uh, Melissa has said, is uh, has something to prove now. The owners have, have moved him from uh, Anthony Honeyball to, to Martin Keithley. Um, Martin's got a, a good enough record with horses uh, starting out for the yard, but. Um, I'm always slightly wary when, when owners uh, move a horse mid-season because they're unhappy. Um, you know, I think I'd rather see a trainer find a horse off his own bat that he wants at the sales, picks it up, and then goes to war with it um, than, than seeing one who's, you know, who's moved um, after the beginning of the season at the owner's behest. And that's never never such an easy uh, scenario. Ask Me Early is clearly very interesting, um, you know, potentially the best handicapped horse in the race, but he... he um, it's reasonably well known. I think he's being prepared for the Welsh National and he took a bad schooling fall in December. Um, and obviously we've not seen him since that. His runs over over um, 
hurdles this season, I guess we're there to protect his handicap mark and he's interesting, but I'm a little bit wary that um, uh, they just take him, take him until the middle of February to come back. And it suggests that, um, that that fall he took um, at home has, has left a mark. Um, he could prove me wrong. And, you know, I think I've said it before that often with geldings, um, however bad a fall they seem to take, they, they're largely oblivious uh, to it next time they run. But um, uh, that, that has to be a concern for watchers. It's a pretty short price. And I don't really like, I think the others, um, God bless Larry, he's, he's got place claims again. Um, and I'm sure George has done a tremendous job um, bolstering his confidence at home um, as he does. Uh, but this is, a, this is a pretty tough ask for him. Um, but, you know, he, he, he tends to run his race at Ascot. He's, um, he was a winner here, obviously, um, back in October. And he, he um, bounced back to form uh, with a creditable third to, uh, to Phoenix Way here um, last time. But that seems to be about his limit these days. And, um, I think he'd be doing well to be uh, an informed fiddler on the roof of these weights. But um, uh, I wish him all the best. I would agree. I'd concur. Um, and look, if Larry wins, we'll get George on the show to celebrate it. But um, no, I think you've both made excellent points there with the 225. And perhaps it will be a case of class tells and fiddler on the roof gets the job done. But um, sojourn for Melissa at a wild price with Kaluki. Um, <laughs> and why not? Uh, the Dingley's Promise Handicap Hurdle, 3 o'clock, 2 mile 3 and a half furlongs. Uh, good risk at all for Sam Thomas and uh, Charlie Deutsch. Uh, heads the betting at 7 to 4. Then we've got Paul Nichols, but stable form. Captain Matan for Nichols and Harry Cobden is fours as a Coney Rebel for Toby Laws and James Bowen with Kaluki is fives and Highway 102 for Chris Gordon and Tom Cannon is eights. Uh, Melissa, your thoughts on the three o'clock? Well, this is a tricky race, isn't it? <laughs> Two way up. Um, I mean, it's one of the trickiest, trickier races of the day, I, I, I would say. Um, the favourite, a good risk at all. Uh, obviously, you know, he's got, decent form but um it's, he's not a horse i've really taken to over obstacles uh, obviously you know raced against john bonnet and so forth um and he's got a couple of well three seconds to his name now um he just doesn't hurdle enough hurdle well enough for me um he's he's a bit gangly he's a bit high at them and yeah there's always a risk about you know going in and taking a short price about a horse like him undeniably he's, he's well handicapped but no, definitely not for me in this in this race. Um, I think he's vulnerable again. Uh, then second favourite, uh, the prices we've got Captain Matan, who was impressive last time, wasn't he? After after a decent absence, but again, we have to take it on trust that he comes down to that in fine fettle, brings his best form to the table, and can back it up for Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols. So I'd be taking him on as well uh, for all that he's obviously got unt- untapped potential in a race like this and. You know, could be could be an improver. Uh, Zaccone Rebel won um, a little race last time out. Uh, obviously, has a potential to improve again, um, but mm, he does lack lack the experience for me again. Uh, albeit, some people will say that obviously he hasn't had the chance to sort of race in a, a type of race like this. But again, he, he'd be one to, uh, <laughs> to to cross off. So we're looking for a bit of value here uh, in this race. And the eye really is drawn to Highway 102, who has been a really good performer for the Chris Gordon team. Um, and he has some decent bits and pieces of form to his name. 
uh, runs here off a mark of 133 for Tom Cannon. He's had a nice break since chasing home Cobbler's Dream at Kempton at uh, start of January. And he was a big price that day, but ran a really good race uh, from the front, uh, kept keeping on well. Uh, obviously bumped into a very well handicapped horse there and, and, and a nice prospect in the Ben Case train, Cobbler's Dream. So, yeah, he's definitely of interest here. I think obviously they'll they'll go forward again. Um, he's got plenty of experience in, in, in various races. And, you know, he's run some quite good races at Ascot as well a couple of starts ago. Uh, he was fifth to Soaring Glory on soft ground. He was beaten just, over, just under eight lengths that day. Um, so Soaring Glory is a, a very consistent handicapper, isn't he? He's, he's, he's very solid. Uh, Boot Hill, so high, highly regarded from the Harry Fry team. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely a case to be made for Highway 1 and 2 uh, at this track. And, yeah, I definitely think he'll go well. And he's a decent price to boot. So he'll be the one for me. I would agree. Eight's currently with Kluki after support this morning. Maybe that support came from Melissa. And on a weekend where Tiger Roll is going to return in the Boyne Hurdle and will then be headed to the cross country and not the Grand National. Screw you, Aintree, says Michael O'Leary. I think that was the exact quote. Uh, Easy Land has his second start for John Joe Neal before going to the cross country. Won't have much of a chance here, though, particularly if he repeats the effort last time. Ay, ay, ay. Rory. I'm going to disagree with uh, with Melissa here. I take her, I take her point about um, good risk at all, but um, uh, I think I would be a little bit concerned. I think I might have been more concerned in the uh, in the Betfair hurdle uh, about his jumping had he made it to that race, but um, unfortunately Sam Thomas um, uh, didn't get him qualified in time. I think he I think he he believed he had. Um, it's time for one more run before he was uh, he was qualified uh, for the Betfair hurdle, but um, he he fell the wrong side of the cutoff yeah. um, for that race. Um, you can you can argue that he was uh, a little disappointing at um, at Warwick, but that was that was meant to be a means to an end, and he <clears throat> he should have won that race. He certainly finished very strongly over the short two miles there. He'll be suited by the step up and trip. He'll be suited by the very soft ground. Uh, this is a horse who who won a. Um, uh, a listed bumper at uh, at Cheltenham on heavy ground last season, and also won that very good listed bumper at Newbury. Uh, he's ve- he's a very high class recruit uh, to hurdles, and they just decided they were going to campaign him with with um, with handicaps in mind. Um, uh, he's improved with each run. His jumping was dreadful at Chepstow um, first time, and he still needs a little bit of work there. But it's gradually got better, and I suspect he'll have done plenty of schooling since um, uh, since finishing second at Warwick in January. I just think he's a bit of a blot in the handicap here. Um, and even if you are a little bit concerned about a horse's um, a technique, I think Ascot and Soft Brown will put a little bit less emphasis on um, on how quickly he gets away from his obstacles. Um, the longer trip will certainly help in that regard as well. Um, this looks a reasonably competitive race, um, generally speaking, but he, he, he jumps off the page as being really well handicapped. I would have thought if things, you know, all things being equal... He should be capable of hitting a mark in the mid one forties, and he's he's here off one two seven. He's up three pounds for that um, uh, for that defeat at, at Warwick. Um, but yeah, he's he's um, he's got himself a um, a very very fair mark on what he's done. He he, he finished in front of of, um, of well regarded horses in that Warwick race as well. It wasn't it wasn't a bad contest at all uh, behind Barry Kello, and um, 
I I struggle to get away from him here. I think he could easily be a um, a three zone poke um, off his mark. So I'm happy to take um, take a little bit of a chance on his uh, his jumping technique, which I I think will will just improve with time. And Charlie Deutsch, um, you you couldn't find a a, a better jockey uh, to give it to instill confidence in a horse in, in terms of his jumping, uh, which we see him do all the time over fences. Um, and I'm sure he'll be able to to do the same thing over hurdles. You have a good risk at all. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, you're tempted to to look for an each way angle in the race uh, quite a lot of the time, but I, I really think he could be a lot shorter than he is, even though he looks, he looks a skinny price. Um, there are, again, a lot of horses in here who've got something to prove or high in the weights or her out of form or with easy slant, who has simply never shown any form other than in cross country chases. Yep. Um, so it's it's easy enough to to knock a lot of these out. So good risk at all. Um, with Charlie Deutsch taking over for the first time and is definitely one of the absolute best in the game. Uh, moves us to the 338 in our last race at Ascot. Uh, Fakir Duderie comes over for Joseph O'Brien. One ride in the day for Mark Walsh at Ascot. And he's the 11 to 4 favourite with Kaluki. Uh, Fanny and Destravel for Venetia Williams and Charlie Deutsch, the aforementioned, is fours uh, with St. Calvados. Ooh, here's Paul Nichols again. Fours, uh, Mr. Fisher for Nicky Anderson and James Bone. Nine to two with Dashiell Drasher, Jeremy Scott and Rex Dingle. Fives, and I suppose we should give a quick mention to Lost in Translation, Colin Tillard and uh, Brendan Powell. At tens, Melissa. Well, Interesting race again, isn't it? Obviously, you know, um, grade one performers here. Um, some, obviously, uh, haven't had the, the best run of things of late, you know, in terms of, you know, it's not like the highest quality grade one, as often this race can be. Um, I mean, look at St. Calvados. He's been a great performer for Connections, hasn't he? But his second run up is never really as good as his first. He always goes it very well fresh. And he would definitely be one I'd be taking on for all that perhaps uh, on his second run for the Nichols Yard that uh, there could be a bit there left to, to work on. Uh, he's had the wind surgery um, and he's had a decent break. But yeah, he, he he would be one to oppose. He just He's had a stiff tasks, hasn't he, in his life uh, over fences. And um, it generally doesn't really win often enough obviously he's he's run very well in the King George but uh but yeah I definitely think there's something you know in here that that can have the upper hand over him this time um Dasha Drasher obviously won last year uh has been a, a great horse for connections Jeremy Scott team uh Rex Dingle in the saddle and see he brings the form here from Lingfield where he was just a short head in front of two for gold on that occasion on the heavy behind sorry behind two for gold on the heavy ground Dasha Drasha was uh it's close up finish wasn't it Bristol Demai there in third and yeah I don't think his form is, is quite where it is to defeat a couple of these um so the eye really is drawn to Fakir Duderi for Joseph O'Brien and Mark Walsh combination they're teaming up um grand little horse he is isn't he he had a stiff task against Alaha last couple of times um, and travels over here for, uh, you know, his shot at a grade one prize. And, you know, we all saw how good he was at Aintree last year. 
and this is his first start over here since. And Connections obviously had have had one eye on this prize, haven't they? And yeah, I think he'll he'll definitely go close. And he is top rated in here. Uh, you know, in the in the eight runner field, uh, a couple of these obviously waiting patiently. He's getting on a bit now, isn't he? Blessed him, and you know he's a, into the veteran stage and has pulled up ninety one days ago on his most recent start. So he's got questions to answer. Two for gold. He's a he's a thorough stayer. He's got a great record for you know a horse of his caliber. He's done very well for Kim Bailey, but obviously you know he doesn't quite have the armor to win this type of race. Um, so the main danger to the Joseph O'Brien horse for me would have to be Mr. Fisher. And mm. a, a lot of people will say, obviously, Kempton form. And, you know, he obviously loves it around there, doesn't he? But don't forget, he's he's run and won at Cheltenham before. And uh, the way he travelled in the Kempton race last last time, uh, beating El Dorado Allen, of course, that form's been been frank recently. Um, it was most eye-catching. He looked on exceptional terms with himself and you know he won very easily didn't he in the end the winning distance could have been a lot more had James Bowen wanted and yeah he, of course he does have have you know the jury's out about see his ability to run round Ascot because it's not a course he's he's tried over fences but uh, I'm willing to take that chance I think um in an open and grade one which obviously isn't as we said isn't the, the, the top <laughs> the top caliber of horses here you know a lot of these like Fanny Andestraval He's obviously had the weight taken off in the handicap last time. So we're talking about horses who are just slightly short of true grade one class, but they've got their got their chance to have a shot at this prize. And yeah, it has to be Mr. Fisher for me. Um, of course, you, you think maybe the ground might be getting a little bit soft, but I'm willing to take the chance, um, him and the Joseph O'Brien horse, to, to fight out the finish for this prize. Yeah, I agree. This is not a cue card or surname class race, but that being said, I think, Fakir Dudery is more than capable of being able to come over and claim the prize and more domination for Ireland. I am warning that it may not be the domination that people think at Cheltenham, so we'll see. We'll, we'll dig deeper into that uh, further in more podcasts to come. Uh, Rory, are you in agreement with Fakir Dudery for Melissa and I? Um, uh, listen, he deserves he deserves maximum respect here. He's got a very solid um, catalogue of, um, of form to his name, but um, I thought um, that St. Calvados um, was the horse to beat in the race. He, this, these should be ideal conditions uh, for him. He's been rather an unlucky horse. Um, he he very nearly won the Ryanair and a very warm Ryanair it was um, splitting Min and a Plutar um, and finishing best after going with a, trying to come up the inside I think of the, of the winner at the last uh, which wasn't necessarily the uh, uh, the wisest move. Um, he's then shipped extremely well in two King Georges without staying the three mile trip at um, at Kempton. Um, uh, Gavin Sheehan um, certainly went for home too soon in this year's race. Like shipped like the best horse in the in the contest for a long way there. Um, he he wants he wants an, an intermediate trip. He wants around two and a half miles, and he ideally wants softer, heavy ground. Um, he does have form on on, um, on a better surface, and indeed it was. It wasn't particularly soft when he was, I think it was good to soft officially when he was um, second in that Ryanair, but he was actually taken out of the Ryanair last year on identical ground uh, because it was, it was deemed too quick for him. Um, so he will have his conditions. Um, he's dropping back in trip to, to to what should be his ideal distance. And um, it, 
he can have no excuses. I'd be disappointed if he's not a massive player because, um, you know, he, he's uh, he's a horse who would be very interesting um, in the Ryanair again uh, this season. But if he's not good enough to win this, um, then I would struggle to see him um, on, on likely quicker ground. He has a few excuses, uh, winning that to be race. fair. Paul Nichols' form. Well, the Nichols' form is better than it was. And obviously, Brave Man's game uh, won last week. Um, and although, although his two other runners at Newbury were a, were a little disappointing, they didn't stop. They didn't cut out. They just they just ran. Um, I'm not necessarily like mad. Hitman's thing is a little bit overrated anyway. Um, and of course, he had, he had the winner at uh, Utoxeter as well. Yeah, Red, Red Risk was a winner at Utoxeter. So the horses are winning races now in the strike rate. You know, if he's running four horses and two of them are winning, I think that's a reasonable strike rate. Um, so I, you know, as time goes on, um, these horses should be getting better. If it turns out to be a mineral imbalance, then he will have sorted that, and the horses running at the weekend um, should be um, should be running to form. Yes, obviously, if, if he finishes second or third in this, it would be a little bit disappointing uh, in terms of his his prospects of going to Cheltenham because these these conditions will suit him better than he's liable to to get uh, at Cheltenham in March. Um, and I think he's worth, you know, I think he, he could argue that he should be favourite on the pick of his form. Um, and yet he's um, he's 9-2, to two, um, which uh, strikes me as a, as a decent price. Um, Mr. Fisher, um, yeah, look, uh, the argument for him is, is reasonably obvious because the form of, of his win last time out has, has worked out. But he's got a very good record in grade two company and a dreadful record in grade ones. He's had five runs in grade one company. He's never been placed once. Um, and that's you know that's obviously off-putting. Um, I can see Dashiell Drasher running a big race from the front again. Um, this just looks a stronger contest than the one that he, la- he won last year. But he's he's such a likable horse, and I think he will run a, a big race and it will he will draw a big performance out of whatever beats him. Um, so that's it's a, a real race to look forward to. Um, touching wood and hoping they all get there. Um, but it, yeah, it should be an absolute cracker. But I, I would just favour Rams and Calvados at the prices. I think he and um, Fakir Dudri should be similar sort of prices. I did hear an interesting, an interesting line on this about you know if if there are uh, really high winds, um, that would be a negative for horses who have to travel or stay overnight or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's it's traveling can be absolutely fine a lot of the time. But obviously, traveling in bad weather and traveling when when um, uh, when you're being buffeted around by the wind can um, leave a mark on a horse. And therefore, anything that's traveling long distance run at Ascot this weekend or um, wherever else it might be, you'd have to factor that in and wonder if it might just um, compromise their chances. Obviously, there's there's a, you know there's a chance that um, some of the horses are due to travel long distances, might not set out at all on their journeys. But yeah, um, that is, that. I, thought, I thought it was a really interesting point that Andrew Thornton um, uh, mentioned to me and I thought I'd, I thought I'd bring it up because it's it's perfectly sensible. And we don't tend to think of, we tend to think in the modern era, horses travel perfectly well, it's not an issue at all. Um, but they still have to go through the uh, the rigmarole of that and, and sometimes that can be a lot more stressful than others. Well, if you're flying a horse, turbulence, and if it's a ferry it could very easily be cancelled, as could a flight, particularly yeah. if the storm is as bad as Lisa Verisami is saying it's going to be. So uh, bear that in mind. Fakir may not even make it there at all. Uh, that's something to very much consider because he wouldn't fly over until the day, 
maybe the day before, maybe Joseph does the day before. I mean, I would in, imagine in that regard, we're, you know, we're talking about money back for, for non-runners and we're, and we're looking at rule fours on top of that. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily affect your approach if you're looking at a non-runner. But, you know, even if the horse managed to come across early, then even being, being stabled at the track overnight wouldn't necessarily um, yeah, be help. a positive in unusual, unusual circumstances. And again, with, um, uh, with all the, the, uh, the noise and kerfuffle of, um, of the bad weather. Um, that, that could be um, something that affects their general outlook and well-being. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm pretty certain that Joseph does it the same as his father, flies them over on the day. So if that's yeah. the case, or brings yeah. them over on the day, in which case you'd want to proceed with caution. Um, the most recent runner from the Nickel Stable was a 6-4 favourite who got beaten in a four-runner race um, and was fairly well held. He has two runners today, Thursday, in the 320, cut the mustard, and Amaron in the 440. So keep an eye on those and see how those horses perform. Um, but he's yeah, been cut the mustard. Cut the mustard has been very hard to win with in in recent times. So it's, you know, you have to be a little bit. Um, first, time, first time wind up, I think, for him. Yeah, but, and that's you know. But one one of the things I would say is that Paul's mysteriously quiet for such a big stable. Uh, I'm not just talking about winners. I'm talking about runners mysteriously quiet times for him. Well, so, hold on a second. There's nothing mysterious about it. It's not mysterious. He is quiet. He's quiet with runners because he said, yeah, we we appear to have some kind of issue that a lot of the horses aren't running particularly well. Um, but if they appear to, if, if they're showing the right signs at home, you've got to run them. Um, and then, you know, otherwise you won't find out what, what the problem is. If you're not running any horses, you've just got a bunch of horses standing in their boxes looking perfectly healthy. And where's the, what's the benefit of that? So um, he's not he's not running them willy nilly, but he's he's targeting horses at certain races. And if the the lads who ride them at home say they they feel like they're in really good form, then he runs them. Um, and obviously the run of the mill ones who don't necessarily need to be running aren't running, and they're running tests and they're they're looking at the feed and and that kind of thing. So yes, there's something going on, but it's not a, it's not we don't know exactly. Uh, what is causing the issue? So, in that degree, there's there's some mystery, but it's not like oh, something funny is going on here. Nothing funny is going on. Every yard goes through this, and they just need to get to the bottom of it and, and find a find a solution. Yeah, uh, you've kind of proved my point. There was a ten, <laughs> there was a ten thousand pound handicap hurdle yesterday. Uh, Six thousand pounds in prize money for juvenile maiden. Um, there was plenty of prize money up for grabs yesterday, and another six thousand seven hundred. Uh, God, where's all this money come from? Uh, there was up for grabs yesterday. Uh, no runner from the Paul Nichols yard. Um, 7,600 up for grabs in a racing TV in stunning HD, novices chase. No runner from the Paul Nichols yard. Uh, he's, he's not sending out horses. Unless it's a Saturday, then he'll run. But he's not running them otherwise. So that's a problem in my mind. And I would... I would bear that in, in mind. I don't doubt what you're saying about uh, St. Calvados, and I would replay in my mind and even go back and listen to the festive review. Uh, you highlighted St. Calvados as the horse who should have won the race and was the most, um, the strongest finisher and uh, was poorly ridden in the race. So I can completely see why you're going with him. But at the same time, Brave Man's game is class above. Red Risk might just be the one who's come through everything else um the fact that you're not having runners is a concern uh hey doc i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 205, three miles and half a furlong. Thomas Darby is your favourite at 7 to 4. Molly Ollie's wishes, 5 to 2. Third wind, fours. Uh, top file bend is 13 to 2. And uh, Emmeton is tens. Uh, Melissa, as always, you go first. Rendlesham Hurdle, great two. Who wins? Well, 7 to 4. Thomas Darby. <laughs> Shocking price, isn't it? Um, no thanks. As you. <laughs> briefly alluded to there, Emmett, um, <laughs> your, your um, sound of surprise. Um, Aidan Coleman's mount, he's been, a, he's been a good horse over the years, hasn't he? But um, the last time he encountered heavy ground, he won a valuable handicap at Ascot. Obviously, he's been set some stiff tasks over the years. Um, but, I mean, is this ground really what he wants nowadays? It'd be a big doubt for me. He's had the tongue tie on the last couple of times. Obviously, you know, finds it a bit more difficult nowadays in terms of, of handling the going. Uh, connections have been keen to sort of keep him on good soft ground, haven't they? Mm. And here he is running in a uh, on very testing ground up at Haydock. Um, definitely one to, to take on for me for all that, you know, his rating gives him every chance of winning, doesn't it? He's got a fair bit in hand, obviously uh, more weight than a couple of these, of course, the mayor. Gets the allowance, Molly's Ollie's wishes. Uh, nothing wrong with with her attitude. She's been a great horse 
uh, for the team, the skeleton team. They found a really nice race for her last time, didn't they? It was a, a target for her at Ascot, saw the trip out very well. It was a really tough performance. She stayed on very well off the very fast pace there uh, that day. Um, and she's got a great record, hasn't she? She wins very often, uh, albeit uh, against uh, fellow mares mostly. So, you know, she she's the, the form horse in the race. Uh, Topville Ben, he uh, was the most genuine of the, the runners uh, in his small field last time out. She uh, on the blind side, ran no sort of race, uh, takes on Emitom again in this. Um, as I said, it was a very winnable race that, that he had last time. Um, I'm not really sure he's completely up to, to, to win in this type of race. Um, so he's a very game horse and, and will run his race, but there'll be something there to beat him. Um, Molly's, Molly Ollie's wishes, I think, will finish in front. But the eye really here is drawn to third wind yes. last year's. <laughs> very topically named last year's winner um, for Tom Cannon and, and Huey Morrison we've got Tom O'Brien in the saddle on this occasion and you know he's got bits and pieces of, of really good form to his name this this eight year old um, it looks like he's been gradually brought to the boil for this race um, he was seventh on seasonal debut behind Champ uh, it wasn't he wasn't uh, you know obviously at his best that day um, looked like it was just a a case of a warm-up for the season, you know, obviously stiff task as well, uh, behind the stayers hurdle, hope. And then he ran third last time out 35 days ago. And, you know, that that was a that was a solid effort there behind Sporting John, who, of course, has been good this season, hasn't he? Um, beaten just under eight lengths at Warwick. Um, he's a, a tricky sort of horse in terms of uh, the Haydock running. You know, he, he's won... He's won once and, and been placed second on his other start here, where, albeit he was a little bit unlucky to be caught by main fact, uh, the prolific horse for, from the pipe stable in a handicap. Uh, he tends, does tend to idle a bit uh, at the Haydock running third win. So, obviously, Tom, Tom O'Brien will have that on his mind in, in this particular race. Um, but, you know, we know he goes very well at the track, as, as proven by his win last year. And he beat Lisnagar Oscar on that occasion. Um, so, you know, obviously that's a decent level. And I think he, he will be tough to beat here. Obviously, this is his race that Connections look to have targeted. And given the doubts about some of the others, of course, it's, it is, we must say, it is great to have Holstone back. He's been long absent, of course, hasn't run for over 400 days. And he's been a good horse over the years. But, you know, heavy ground lacks a recent run. You know, Connections will probably be looking a little bit further ahead with him. Um, so, yeah, I think it just leaves the door open uh, for third win to blow away the opposition here. Hey! <laughs> um, and from, uh, no, I'd quite fancy the forecast there with Molly Ollie's wishes to, to follow him home. Uh, not only is third wind aptly named, but also I think is the most likely winner as well. So it's delighted when he said that. However, does Rory... This is where Rory disagree. Does Rory agree with this? <laughs> For the first time today, or no. or does he have something else in mind, Rory? Uh, I I agree about the favourite. Um, I I I wouldn't have him with Sam. We'll take that. Uh, you you could you you couldn't back him. You <laughs> couldn't back him with any confidence. I was going to call him some names there, but you know you wouldn't back him with stolen money. I wouldn't. I wouldn't back him with stolen. He's capable of winning this race if he fancies it. He just doesn't seem to fancy it nearly often enough. 
is the bottom line with, uh, with Thomas Darby. Um, tons of ability. Um, I would, I think I would, I, I, I like, um, I like third wind. I always have done. Um, but he does have, he does have his limitations at the top level. And I think he might struggle to give seven pounds, uh, to Molly Ollie's wishes. Um, who is a pretty reliable mare. Um, and she, she proved her stamina for three miles last time, um, at Ascot. Um, this track will suit her very well. I mean, she's, um, she was a, a very good winner, um, of a listed, um, mare's hurdle at Warwick this time last year. Um, uh, she won well over two miles at Weatherby um, on her return, which is the trip is, is too short for her. She's very adaptable. She loves um, softer, heavy grind. Um, and she's got that really good uh, blend of, of um, speed and stamina. That means she's not not reliant on tactics either. Um, she can make the running as she showed at Weatherby. She can be held up until the last moment uh, as well. And um, I think she's more likely to be ridden with uh, with patience here. I just think she's got a you know her all round capability. Um, given she's receiving seven pound from um, uh, from uh, most of those in the field, uh, gives her the edge. Uh, but I, w- I third wooden is definitely the danger for me. Um, he, he's he's reliable. He will run his race. Of course, he won this last year, um, and um, he's the uh, he's the one who will give her most to do. I think. Um, but um, but I think she deserves to be favourite. I, I, I was surprised when I saw the, the betting on this in the first place. I I think I would have her in as favourite. Um, Thomas Darby, maybe second or third. I mean, you have to have him reasonably short because he's got the ability to go and win it if he wants. Um, so he's kind of what you put in reasonably short, but you wouldn't necessarily want to back still. Uh, and third wind's a little bit shorter than he is. Um, questions for the others, I think. I think you reverse forecast in order, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's the, they're, they're certainly the two most solid in the race. Um, and not only are they solid and reliable, but they've also got, you know, some of the best form on offer as well. So, yeah, no reason, no reason why you sh- we shouldn't have those in a forecast. Because uh, if Thomas Darby doesn't fancy it, he won't fancy it for a second either. No. Um, and if he doesn't, fan- if he does fancy it, he'll, he'll ruin your day anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll take that, Melissa. We'll we'll very much take that one. Uh, okay, we're we're on to the two forty. So this is the Grand National Trial Handicap Chase Grade Three over three miles. Four and a half furlongs and secret reprieve heads the betting at eleven to four with Kaluki. Sam Brown is eleven to two on guard. Uh, sixes Black Line, eight to one. How much was Black Line bought for again? Nine hundred and eighty million pounds. Okay, it's good that he started winning. Oh, he's thirteen. Oh well. Okay, uh, Bristol de May, eights, and uh, yeah, whatever. Melissa, is this all about secret reprieve? He's very short, isn't he? That, that's the, the point to make here. Um, again, a, a young chaser that, you know, there's there's plenty more in the locker, you'd hope. But um, he's done all of his winning at Chepstow, hasn't he, on 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 ground with plenty of give. Um, so, of course, we'll, we know he'll get the trip and obviously being a, being a Welsh national winner, uh, of course he will. But, um, yeah, the switch to, to Haydock, um, that does pose a few question marks. Um, obviously, a completely different type of track to to Chepstow. Um, he's only run here twice, I believe, um, and hasn't really sort of set the world alight. Um, I mean, he was making headway when he he fell in a chase here in November 2020, um, but 
yeah, that would be a slight concern. And of course, the other time he uh, was second in a match uh, behind Cloudy Glenn, who obviously we know what he's capable of. But um, but yeah, he was he yeah didn't really perform greatly that day, did he? And I think he he's one to be taking on here at the prices. Uh, his Welsh national run, he clearly most recently clearly needed it, didn't he? Um, but yeah, I mean, how good is he going to be here? Uh, we wait and see. He's obviously a, tr- a trickier horse to train. He hasn't had many starts. Um, the, the positives are obviously he's well-weighted and there's that potential there, isn't there, that they might be able to to unlock that potential here off 10 stone five and the, the weight's obviously going to be good in these conditions. Um, I mean, this is a race full of horses that gra- regularly contest these type of races. Black Lion, you know, what a horse he's been. The son of Cave Tar, obviously, as you said, a, a very pricey purchase for connections, but really has warmed the heart with his two victories this season. Um, it's been really nice to see him come back to to winning ways uh, for the skeleton team at his advanced uh, vet- in the in the advanced veteran stage, a thirteen year old now. So you know, we'd all obviously we'd all love him to to go well again. Um, but he he's probably done his winning for for now. Um, I mean, you look at some of these others at Encard, obviously, has run well at this track, um, you know, 63 days ago. he's He's got good form to his name. And obviously, Sam Brown has, has as well, obviously just only being beaten by Royal Pagai most recently. Uh, Lord to, Lord DeMail, he loves the place, but still a touch high in the weights for me. And Bristol DeMai, you know, not really the force of Alden's got plenty of weight to, to, to give away. So... That that's a lot of them covered there, um, and I and I'm looking for a bit of value in this race. And I think down the bottom, mint condition off ten stone four uh, is really of interest here. Oh, yeah. uh, he's a novice; he's less exposed than a lot of these. Uh, we know he really enjoys the the track, the ground, and you know some of his best races he's run here at Hayduck. He's related to Didigank, who obviously was a good stayer, and Brian Hughes is in the saddle for the first time so I think the case can be made for mint condition here off a lightweight when a lot of these do have questions to answer um, um, you know like, like I said he ticks so many boxes and he's a really good price as well so yeah plenty to like about uh, the Jenny Candlish runner here I think yeah with the people don't like me uh, on on board Brian Hughes who's ever said that I've <laughs> never heard that before where did this come from? Uh, 159 winners for the season as we record. Uh, Harry Skelton, 86. Pull your boots up, Harry. Um, so, yeah, I think Brian's a fantastic booking and a fantastic jockey as well. I don't understand that. I, I couldn't understand that quote at all. Oh, people don't like me. What? Anyway. <laughs> um, talk to me, Rory Zalargi. Are you with Melissa? I'm not, although I'm uh, in <laughs> Mint condition is a is a is a decent price of fourteens, and um, I don't want to be too negative about his chances. My my worry with him, uh, she's right. Um, track will suit, ground will suit. Um, the horse has got a very good attitude as well. I'm I'm just not absolutely convinced he's a chaser. Um, he's not. He's got a, a chasing pedigree, and and you know his his um, uh, his record um, over jumps is a is a decent one, but. He's not the biggest in the world, and I haven't quite been convinced so far that he's um, that he's going to be quite. You know, he's going to keep developing as a chaser. 
I think horses of his quality who go who go chasing tend to win races, but they don't necessarily thrive for it. And that's a little bit of a concern um, for me. But at 14s, listen, the, the, there are horses who are shorter than him in the betting who should be bigger. Um, so I'm not going to be um, I'm not going to be too negative. Um, um, you were quite dismissive of the outsiders there. I noticed. Well, I just didn't mention about halfway through. Ah, whatever. Um, that's true. Gallop- I did actually. I did. But the galloping, the galloping bear is a horse that you'd have to give chances to for um, for Ben Clark and Ben Jones. Uh, I thought he was. Um, I thought he was very impressive um, last time. And he's again. He's a twelve to one shot. I think. I think that's um, that's very fair. Listen, it's it's diff- it's a tough race in that Secret Reprieve has got plenty going for him. He wouldn't have been ready um, for uh, for his run last time out. It was. You know, you, you heard from from Evan Williams that it, he was he was rushed uh, into getting him to the track last time out. He's clearly a horse who will do um, who will do better with uh, with a little bit of time. Um, he's very lightly raced for his age. He was really impressive winning the Welsh National last year, despite the uh, the overgirth going. Um, and I'm not sure I'd want to be a layer of, of his at eleven to four. But at the same time, in a race over this distance on bad ground, I don't want to be backing horses at particularly short prices either. So. I find this I find this quite a tough race. There are horses I really like in the race. Um, in that you know, uh, who I've I've liked long term, like Bristol to May and, and Sam Brown. Um, and they're obviously uh, players at the best of their form, but neither of them have been particularly uh, straightforward to train. I mean, Bristol to May obviously has been as it has been a, um, an absolute star, but he he doesn't tend to take his um, his racing that well. Um, you know, he needs great, needs breaks between his races because he takes plenty out of himself. And this comes reasonably quickly after that run on the Fleur de Lis chase at Lingfield. And I wonder whether he'd be ready uh, for another big run. Certainly when he's disappointed in the past, the trainer has suggested that he's, he's gone back to the track too quickly. Uh, Sam Brown, similarly, he's a, he's a horse who's had lots of problems over the years, but it was a really promising novice in bad ground. Uh, and he ran a cracker. I thought he should have won the Peter Marsh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he ran really well there to be beaten gnarly by Royal Pagai. But again, given given his, um, his training problems over the years, I wonder whether he'd be able to back that um, run up um, four weeks later. Um, I hope he can, but it's a it's a worry to me. Um, I, again, um, some some comments about Black Lion there, which um, which are um, uh, a little bit harsh, perhaps. Yes, um, uh, Darren Yates um, ended up paying more than um, more than he he ought to have for for Black Lion, but he was happy to pay over the odds because he really wanted the horse. And I think um, those who know how to uh, how to bid an enthusiastic owner up did um, did all they could to ensure that um, they paid top whack for him. Mm-hmm. He's a smashing horse. He really, really liked the horse Black Line. He obviously immediately had problems uh, after that sale, and it's taken time for uh, for Dan Skelton to get him right. But he's um, he's been terrific in his last two starts, uh, both of this track um, track trip and grind suit him really well. I know he's thirteen now, but um, he he dropped a long way in the weights. Um, and he's a very high class staying chaser at his best he seems to be thriving on his racing at the moment and although he probably won't get into the Grand National um, because he's you know he's too well handicapped ironically um, that's something you can't um, argue um, against him here for and I think he'll run well again I think he will um, um, he will show the sort of form he's done in his last two starts and if he does then he'll be in the frame here and at 8-1 to one, um, with, uh, with four places on offer I think that's um, that's fair enough. I would happily back him at eight to one uh, with the Delargy endorsement. Just once again to confirm, 
Melissa's selection for this race? Um, sorry, I'm at completely. <laughs> which which race are we, we on again? You've moved mint on. Condition. You've moved on to our... con- Just say mint condition. <laughs> it's mint condition. No, we are. Sorry, I'm um, thinking about Goshen for the next race. Yeah. So, uh, wondering what wondering what form he's going to turn would, up. That would that would confuse you. I suppose. It, it would. To be fair, I, I, that would break most brains. <laughs> Um, so mint condition uh, for you and uh, black line for Rory. Uh, I smell a forecast. Um, I thought the lads were taking the piss at the Dublin Racing Festival when they said, Goshen's absolutely bolted up at Sandown. Like, yeah, right. And I had to be handed a phone to see him win to believe it. Uh, so well why, would you, why would you be surprised that Goshen win at Sandown? Why, why would I be shocked at Gary Moore? Yeah, you, know, you know it's a right-handed track, don't you? It's a right-handed track, and it's yeah. the Contender's Hurdle, which is one of the most stupid races in the entire calendar. No, it's So, of no, it's course, not. of course, no, if Goshen's going to win a race. What is that What one? is stupid about the Contender's Hurdle? It's a stupid race that clashes <laughs> with the Irish Champion Hurdle and has no business being in the calendar. It doesn't clash with Irish Champion Hurdle. It, it never, it's never taken from the same pool of horses. It's the same weekend. Bouva Dare so- rocking up at 1-4, to 1-16 to and 1-5 to five well, when he could have come over to Ireland. Absolutely pointless. Yeah, Nicky does. Binocular well, running there as binocular, well. Binocular went over to Ireland, didn't he? And he did, and he got he, his ass handed to was- him by Hurricane Fly. Yeah, and he drifted from two to one to about a million to one before the race. So you knew exactly what you were getting that day. And was given a... So you'd, surely you'd rather horses run in races where, where they wanted to win than just turn up so people go, oh, isn't it nice to see this horse who won't be competitive at all today? What's the point? What's the point when they're so far odds on? Anyway, uh, we've gone yeah, down... Yeah, that's, that's the race. The race is the race. It's been, it's been in the calendar for what? I mean, some people seem to think the contenders, contenders hurdle was invented about ten years ago. Um, it's it's uh, it was a race that See You Then uh, prepped for his, I think his first champion hurdle in, um, and it's been in the calendar for a, for I don't know since the war, I think. But we've got this notion that somehow it's um it's been put on specifically to uh, to please Nicky Henderson. Oh, didn't they change? Um, it? They just changed the name. They just yeah. changed the name. That's all. But did they it used to be called the. Did it used to be called the, the Oatley Hurdle. Did they change the conditions of it as well? No, they didn't change the conditions, I don't think. No. It's still a stupid um, race. Well, people should just run. There, are just aren't, there just aren't enough decent two-mile hurdlers like they used to be in the good old days. Yeah, well, that's that's a bigger problem, actually. You know, in, 19, in 1979, you'd have seen the best five I, hurdlers in the country uh, running against each other every two weeks. I think what you mean is 19 You didn't know you were born. 19 dickety-doo. So... We we'll uh, still remember 1979. Uh, <laughs> 2011 was when the Contenders Hurdle came into existence. I think this race was changed, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Rory, to be to be fair, Melissa, Rory does tend to have an encyclopedic knowledge of stuff and know a little bit more, <laughs> which, which, which is quite frightening. Anyway, the uh, Wincanton Kingwell Hurdle sees Goshen, a winner last time out, uh, at evens, taking on Adagio. He's back. Uh, second run after a wind up after that massive run in the Greatwood Hurdle. He's twos. Uh, Favour is 14s and it's 25s. So it's a four-runner race. Um, can you trust Goshen to back it up? Or do you think that this is where Adagio steps up and 
Lacey's claims to be second or third in the champion hurdle. Is this Rory or is this me? This is you, Melissa. <laughs> okay, I'll take it away. Uh, He's fried your brains, hasn't he? This Goshen. No, no, your brains, my... Melissa. <laughs> now I've got my head round Goshen, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, he's a he's a puzzling performer, isn't he? Bless him. He's a six-year-old for Jamie Moore and Gary Moore, and um, obviously <laughs> probably keeps poor poor Jamie awake at night with um, you know the the, the way he, he he runs. Obviously, you know, come a long way since that um, terrible day in the triumph. You really had to feel for connections on on, on that occasion, didn't you? It was um, it was a crazy moment, you know, one very unusual thing, wasn't it? We've never really seen anything like that. And um, hopefully we won't, won't again. Um, I mean, Goshen, he, he won last time very impressively at his beloved Sandown. Uh, we know how much he, he does like that track uh, 15 lengths ahead of, of guard your dreams on, on that occasion, having given poor Jamie a, a torrid time at Lingfield in the race, in his prior race behind brewing up a storm. He, he raced so awkwardly that day, didn't he? And, um, you know, it was really difficult to steer, yet he was only beaten just over a length in the three-runner field. So uh, good to see him back to winning ways last time. And, you know, his fans stuck with him and, and, and were pleased to see it as well. So he has every chance here of following up, you you must say. Um, albeit he is turning out fairly quickly, looking at his record uh, compared to, to some of his other runs. So he's got a... He's got a, a, this race to, to win, really. You know, tactically, it should work out okay for him. Um, but Adagio is a very interesting rival for the Pipe team. He's comes here after um, having a little setback. Uh, he had a pulled muscle, didn't he, uh, after running such a, a decent race in the Great Wood off top weight. And uh, David Pipe was saying that his preparation was a bit rushed for that occasion. Uh, as well so you can mark it up in the circumstances it was a an excellent performance and of course the form's been franked on a number of occasions a, a good renewal of course that that race often is isn't it and yeah he is very interesting here it just depends tactically how this works out for him and whether he you know he has the fitness to, to, to beat Goshen who obviously is you know um, could win this easily couldn't he um, and is, is on his last run probably will but uh, the prices I think if I was having a bet um, I would go with Adagio because obviously he has the he has the untapped potential doesn't he and his form's good he's only five he's not raced right-handed for connections over hurdles yet Um, so there's that that uh, potential as well and yeah I think he, he is very interesting as I said number of scenarios that, that could play out here. Um, Goshen's fitness and Adagio lacking that run but um, definitely think it is worth chancing the, the, the pipe horse to turn over our quirky friend here in, in the 320, the Kingwell Hurdle. Our quirky friend. Um, <laughs> Delargi, don't you dare go against Adagio. Don't you dare go against Adagio. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't ruin this for Melissa and I. Um. Uh, I think we need a Daggio to win this race, in a manner of speaking, because. But that's that, that's not necessarily a tip. I I have I have uh, actually put a Daggio up as a as an anti post bet for the um um without honeysuckle in the champion hurdle, um because some I think he's one of the few there. That's some smart who's, thinking. Who's got a very positive profile. Normally, I'm against five year olds. Um, 
in that, it has to be said. Um, but this is a, we're living in strange times, Emmett. Um, with no one really wanted to take uh, honeysuckle on, and lots of lots of negatives about um, about plenty uh, of the, the champion hurdle possibles. And Adagio has done absolutely nothing wrong. Every time you think he's exposed, he pulls out a little bit more. Uh, that was a cracking run um, in the uh, in the Great Wood. Um, you know, one four seven is not good enough to be to be um, winning a champion hurdle, but there's more to come from him. Um, he clearly, yeah, he's clearly ahead of his mark uh, to have run so well there. And hopefully he can win this and then go on and throw down a decent, a decent enough challenge, or at least hit the frame on the champion hurdle to give something to cheer about. But from a from a purely punting perspective, I think you'd, I think you should be back in Goshen here, even though I like Adagio. Well, obviously I like him more for Chefford Cheltenham because at least he's in the race. Goshen's not in the champion hurdle or the stairs hurdle, or will he be going to entry? And that's why he's turning out for this uh, two weeks after Sandown. Um, which in itself was was only you know le- less than a, a fortnight after he'd run at Lingfield, so um, you know it, it's easy finding negatives with Goshen, but he's a very 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 good horse um, given a test of stamina um, uh, at this trip, going right-handed, and it's very easy to find um, uh, to find excuses for. I mean, he, he ran really well at Lingfield. He just didn't didn't handle the bends at all. He didn't handle the bends at Cheltenham last season. Um, and it's remarkable that he was going to win the triumph hurdle, and uh, when he did, um, but he, you know, I guess the, the 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 new course helped him a little bit. But he was still on the um, he was still on the outside the whole way there. Um, and if he'd just been kept um, right-handed, he'd probably have a better record than he does now. Um, they've they've tried him at different trips. He's like, he certainly he certainly stays a, mile, a two and a half miles rather. Um, and he's he's a better horse ridden aggressively. Uh, there's no doubt about that. The problem with them is. You know, he's always going to be the boss. You know, you you get a horse like him, you want to teach him to do things your way. Um, but some horses just won't do that. And you've got to go, right, okay, well, it's we'll have to do it your way then. Uh, even though uh, the way he races, since he was winning um, uh, flat handicaps as a, as a three-year-old, uh, basically he just he just takes control of his jockey. And then it's just a case of you, you try to steer and keep him on the track, um, but he just keeps galloping. Um, and that's not that's not easy. You want to harness that, and that's what Carney Moore's been trying to do. He's been trying to teach the horse to settle. He's been trying to to get him in behind and uh, cover him up and and do things that will that will help him act like a, a normal racehorse. He's not a normal racehorse, but he is an exceptionally talented one. Uh, and you just after a while you've got to say, right, well, I'll let you do your own thing. When he did his own thing in this race last year, he was he was um, frighteningly good. And when he did his own thing at Sandown, he was very very good indeed. And he's won by fifteen lengths there. Um, and you know, two two high class, um, you know, proper grade two hurdlers couldn't lay a glove on him um, at Sandown last time out. That was him right back to his best. You've just got to let him do his own thing. Um, you know, when he's been held up, he's not been so good. He's probably not a horse to travel either. He went to punch time with him last year. I get the impression they're not going to do that again, uh, and therefore they've got to take their opportunities where they can. So he's absolutely fit for this. Um, normally, with a lot of with horses who've who've had. Um, the recent runs that he has, you'd, you'd wonder whether he'd be a little bit, um, uh, you know, ready for a break. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's really in his makeup. I think again, you know, Goshen, Goshen just does his own thing. Um, and I think, even though he's given three pounds away to Adagio, and even though Adagio is clearly a much, a much um, um, more tractable horse and a horse who you can have hopes of, of potentially winning a champion hurdle with. Um, you're you're very much um, 
taking on Goshen at his own game here. And um, as I said, hopefully Adagio will win, not because I want to see Goshen beaten, but I think, you know, it's, it's important that, that um, British trainers are throwing up championship contenders for the Cheltenham Festival. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hopeful of an Adagio victory here. But if, I'm, if, if I was punting in the race, which I probably won't be, I think I have to punt Goshen. All right. It makes sense. Um, I think the betting without Honeysuckle for the champion hurdle, Adagio, is a great bet. I think that's that's one that, that makes an awful lot of sense. And defeat for Adagio on the back of, I know David wanted to run him in the international hurdle. Oh, I can't believe it. I call it that. I cannot believe I called it that. The Beulah. He wanted that's to what run, it's called. He wanted to run him in that's the Beulah. Um, then he was entered in the Betfair. And they've had to delay until now. So it could very well be the case that he just needs this. And this will bring him on then for, for the champion itself. But you're playing for place money. Unless something drastically goes wrong with Honeysuckle. And Adagio appeals very strongly as as a horse to back without. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do that will make you happy, by the way. Go on. Get your... Um, be ready, you know, with the old itchy trigger finger. I could see a scenario where Daggio gets beaten here, drifts in the betting for Cheltenham, and is worth backing because Goshen's Goshen is absolutely top class um, when conditions are in his favour, and he's very much got conditions in his favour here. Um, so Daggio could not—he's not raced right-handed before. He's coming off a layoff and an injury. He's entitled not to be at his very best here. So I could see Goshen beating Daggio three or four lengths. And everyone going, oh, that's Adagio's champion hurdle out the window. Then you should be backing him for the champion hurdle each way. Because it wouldn't necessarily harm his chances of running well at Cheltenham um, if he's turned over by Goshen. But people will automatically react. The, the betting will spike uh, and you will get um, you will get uh, over the odds about Adagio. Uh, you know, as long as he runs reasonably well. You know, if he, as, if he shapes okay, it doesn't matter if he's beaten four or five lengths um, by Goshen because there are, there are reasons why you would forgive that afterwards so be in forgiving mood beforehand imagine that it might happen and won't be the end of the world and then try to shop around for prices on a Daggio immediately after the race um, because that might dig you out a little bit of value let's go love it love it that's what we're doing straight after the race um, back and maybe have a small bit before and if he gets beaten go back in again into the pool and uh, and back in again alright uh, Melissa who is your your horse to back for the weekend for Final Fallen Podcast listeners? No, just not for the name, Emmett, <laughs> but third wind in the 205 at Haydock. <laughs> and hopefully the action won't be blown away. But uh, <laughs> but no, he, he, he's very solid in, in my book uh, for this race. And as Rory said, although he does have to give the, the weight to Molly's Ollie's wishes, uh, they're, they're definitely the two to concentrate on, I think. And um, he looks ideally prepped for this race. And Everything in his favour. Loves the track. Uh, ground, no bother. And uh, yeah, it has to go close to me. I'm a big third win fan as well, but uh, you deserve a third. <laughs> well done. Uh, Delargi, for the Final Forum Podcast listeners, who's the one horse that you appoint to? Uh, at the current prices, because I don't think they will last until the weekend, I would put up Fern Hill in the Reynolds time. <sighs> and then, once I fill up a Fern Hill and his price collapses... Oh, then I'll take that big prices about uh, Jay Fouad as well. <laughs> <laughs> oi, oi. And don't forget the reverse forecast. 
don't forget the reverse forecast as well. We've a couple of re- well, reverse the re- forecasts. reverse forecast, which we should be paying about 150 quid at the moment, is made well. Uh, no, sorry, half of that if you want to divide it. Yeah, but yeah, that's seventy-five to one is uh, maybe asking a bit too much, but um, yeah, I'll be doing that as well. Yeah, we listen. We we gotta um, we gotta swing for it. I mean, what's the point in not doing so? Um, third one for me as well. Uh, third one was very high on my list uh, going into this. So why would I, uh, why would I abandon him now? Uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Melissa. Um, brilliant having your company you. again, and looking forward to having you on the show again soon. Uh, Rory, you're back with us on Thursday. This is Thursday. <laughs> Next Thursday. All right. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. All things being equal. So until then, uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And hopefully we've got loads of gravy to be made and even some Cheltenham gravy as well. Until Monday, uh, don't forget to check out our special with Kim Perry. That's available for you now. And uh, we'll talk to you very, 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 very soon. If I can use my mouth words correctly. Uh, take care. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday. We love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.